And then the lights cut out of this room. I would like to do a thing. Of you course you would like would to do I. a Of course you would like to do a thing, Ruth, because the very first thing that I'd happens I'd like to do a thing. I'm going to follow that, but the very first thing that happens the moment that the lights cut out in the room is Ruth, you feel your pocket watch vibrating. If you'd like to do a thing, you get to do the thing first and then cat. And did someone else also want to do a thing? Okay, so to clarify, all the lights are off and it's pitch black. It is dim. There are like like reflective panels in like the grooves between the drop ceiling and the wall in select in the intervals of the edges of this room. So you can see very dimly from the from light that's pouring out from through the window and from those reflective lights, but the further you try to look into the center of the room, you can actually see less and less. Okay. When the lights go out, I would like to move to put myself between Rustam and the party, and I would also like to pick his pocket. Okay. And I would argue that to be a conceal, because I'm trying to be sneaky. That works for me. Your position is mm-hmm. desperate. Mm-hmm. And your effect is standard. Do you have a poison promise for me? <laughs> Do I have a poison promise for you? There are obvious consequences. Hmm. There are obvious consequences to Rustam Demir noticing that he's had he's been robbed. If you do well enough, of course, he's not going to notice immediately. But a four o'clock will start. If a four o'clock, I will make a four o'clock of Rustam Demir notices something is missing. That will take for every action that you take after this pickpocket. Oh, but if I don't take the poison promise, then that clock won't form? Yeah, he'll never notice. Okay. I think I would prefer to go without it, since we have conflict arises as a clock already, and I feel like we don't need an extra clock mm-hmm. under pressure. I should so, highlight, by the way, that that's, that clock has since ticked three times. Okay. Because uh, I forgot that I was keeping track of it. Okay. Team, how do we feel about Ruth pushing himself? How much stress do you have, Ruth? You? I'm, I'm pretty sure you have... From you shouldn't... Please don't. This would be Is there a lot. anything I can do to offer an assist, die? You know what? I mean, uh, if you spend a social Ruth link, is... if you spend a social link that you have with Ruth, it will yes, clear two I stress. Yes, will... I will spend that link to clear two stress. Okay, so I will Ruth, push mark your myself, sheet. and I will... So I gain two stress from the pushing, and I mm-hmm. lose two stress from the uh, social link. So, so you're back to th- uh, it's three available stress. Yeah, and I roll 3d6, pray for me. That's a 4, a 2, and a 1. Um, a mixed success is enough for you to get into Rustam's pocket. It's enough to get some things. Give me a 1 die fortune roll. A 1 die fortune roll. That's a 5. Good lord, this is nice. Cool. You successfully pull out three items from his... Um, pocket, but because it's dark, you can't tell uh, what they are by sight. 
you know that one of them feels like several small pieces of paper stuck together. Feel mm. You notice that one of them feels like very smooth glass or stone. And you mm. notice that one of them feels warm, but you can't tell why. Gross. And now successfully between Rustam and the party, and thus also Delilah and the party, one hand I put all the things in one pocket, the other hand I check the pocket watch. Is it still vibrating? It is still vibrating. The mirror on the inside of the pocket watch is now glowing green. Uh, uh, Nina, in what, in what direction are you looking at the moment? Uh, it, is this before or after the pocket watch begins to glow? Because I would say that as soon as she sees the pocket watch, like, she probably would have been facing forward. Like, she would have turned around, basically. So she was looking behind her to see what... Whatever direction that she was looking to see the person that Rustin was looking at, she's turning back to her previous direction. Mm-hmm. So... It, that would, in theory, then be, I guess, looking at Rustam Demir, mm-hmm. which means she would probably see the glow. Like, her eyes would be drawn to that, I guess. Give me another perceived rule. Because if she doesn't see the glow, then she's going to remove her phone from her pocket and try to put the light on the phone. Desperate um, standard plus one die. Desperate standard plus one die perceived rule? Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Desperate standard... That's a two. You turn. You notice vaguely through the reflect through the reflection of the light through the window and that other dim light above the wall. That it seems like Rustam was about to say something, but you didn't make out what. And now Delilah is. You can make out just the shadow of Delilah dragging him. Out of this out of this room. Other people in the room are still weirdly not sure if this is like a fire drill or if the power is out or something like that. Yeah, no, Nina is fumbling for her phone to try to get the flashlight on because uh, she is concerned. I don't know how long that will take, so it's mm-hmm. a, I leave that to your discretion as DM. You can allow her to fumble, you can make me roll. I will you let you fumble for a bit while Kat does a thing. While Cat is doing a thing, oh, you're muted. I can't do the thing. Never mind. Oh ho. Um, okay. I was just going to be petty, but Ruth got in there <laughs> first, and now the opportunity is lost. Noted. When Ruth opens the pocket watch, and the first thing he sees is the green glow, he just turns it quietly to Vic. Okay, and for my recollection, mirrors turn green when the dream is being manipulated. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sending an SOS signal, basically. Right. Help me. Yeah. Vic sees that and in, yeah, takes that the information to be able to lean over to, to Ruth enough to whisper, we go, we go in this way, we can come out somewhere else. Ruth says, sounds good to me. I have something for you, too. Okay. So then Vic is going to use or from from memory basically try to build a a jump into the a jump into the dream uh, chain like we used to get out of the dream last time mm-hmm. who's in the head of this chain that's probably ruth 
Because you've got uh, the, the watch. I am holding the watch, so I'm guessing everybody else goes in first and then I go in, no? <laughs> to pull sure. the watch in after me, so to speak. Okay, yeah. so I'm thinking Vic followed by Kat or Nina um, in the middle and then Ruth <clears throat> in the rear. Yeah, works for me. Sounds good. Okay. Time to Looney Tunes. <laughs> you all step through the mirror in this pocket watch and... You find yourself suddenly tumbling downward in what looks like endless dark. This is not supposed to happen when you enter a dream. When someone has manufactured a dream, that dream has a shape. And you're supposed to be physically present within that shape. There are already structures, there is already land. It is very unlikely for a dream to be unshaped in this moment while being actively manipulated unless it is being freshly manipulated. You all get the very immediate suspicion that you are entering this dream almost as immediately as it is appearing. That you essentially have gotten the drop on someone. And then, when you land, you're outside the Cloud Harbor Mirador at night. It literally, like, nothing looks different at all. It looks like Mirador Street. It looks like the Mirador is in front of you. The mirrors, the, the windows look like windows. The doors look like doors. The streets look like streets and the cars on them look like cars. Ruth is going to reach into his pocket and pull out the things that he took from Rustum. Nina's checking of- her phone, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, you pick up your phone... You notice that you're having this weird phenomenon that you notice only happens not only in the dream in general, but in dreams where you are losing some level of agency, that when you attempt to read text, you notice that there is text on the screen, but you cannot parse it. I want a card from the Deck of Reveries. Aha! This can happen. Uh, And I'm going to make you roll to to find that card very suddenly. But first, Ruth... You take out the things that you picked from Rustum's pocket, and you see a phone, namely a pure glass smartphone. Because of course. Which you also notice, by the way, is locked. But when you touch the screen to bring up the the passcode screen, there is a hint on the uh, top of the uh, passcode screen that says, Euphony said you'd know this. The other things that you notice are handwritten notes about what seems to be a medical disorder that you don't immediately get any... Like, you can't immediately glean what it's potentially referring to, but a lot of the document, a lot of the scribblings on this piece of paper refer specifically to higher brainwave function while, like comatose or in a state that should resemble a coma through no other potential brain damage. And the other thing that you find is a small Ziploc bag with a small doll in it. It looks like a plastic doll of a small black-haired, brown-skinned child. It feels warm to the touch for some reason. Ruth is going to give the phone to Vic, because Vic can do something with that. He's going to keep the other things, because Vic can't do anything with those. 
But yeah, he hands the phone over and he says, courtesy of Demir. Now that, that's going to take some more time to look at. Do we think there's anything else here we can get? Or should we beat feet? Ruth looks around and it seems like the dream is pointing them into the Mirador. So he shrugs and says, one way in. There's actually a lot of different ways in. I don't, did you know that? I think in a dream, all doors are going to lead to, well, probably the dragon in the tower. And Vic goes to the door, goes to like what I'm imagining are double doors and just pushes both of them open. (laughs) Full Aragorn. Yeah. (laughs) You push open the double doors of the Mirador and the ground floor of the Mirador is no longer the ground floor of the Mirador. Ruth, what is the name of the hospital where you were first officially a nurse? Where I was first officially a nurse? It was probably called (laughs) Ascension. Okay, so you can tell, and a couple of you can tell because you've been here, you've, you've seen this place before after being mildly injured at some point previously, but Ruth, you know this place very intimately. You see the ground floor of Ascension General Hospital. You see there is a receptionist at the desk who, when you look at them, you can tell that you get the impression that you know who this person is. But when you try to settle on the features of this person, they just kind of fade away into your sight. You can't really settle on what this person looks like, just that a human being is at the receptionist's desk. But the other thing that you notice rather immediately is that lots of people are running to and from all of the doors of this ground floor. And when you pay attention to try to figure out where they're going and why, you realize that everyone who's dressed up as a nurse, as a doctor, as a patient, or as a guest of a patient on this floor are all Rustam Demir at various ages, entering through one door and emerging through another door at rapid pace over and over and over again. Are they all headed in the same direction? Uh, nope. They're all moving in random directions. They seem rather panicked about something. You get the impression that they're headed somewhere and they can't get there, that the dream is actively preventing them from arriving. Would anyone like to take an action? Would it be a stretch for Nina to try to empathize to understand what exactly is going on here? Okay. Like, um, like to trying to like feel the vibe. Like she feels this anxiety, but can she maybe try to hone in on like what the anxiety might be related to? Or, well, yeah, definitely. Your position is desperate. Your effect mm. is great. You get plus one die. Yeah. Okay, plus one die, and I've got one already, so that's two d six. All right, four and a five. So five is good. A thing, okay, so, multiple Rustams are running past you all, and then a young Dr. Rustam stops, turns to you, and says, Right, Dr. Lopez, I've been looking for you, and he puts his hand on your shoulder, and you look down, and suddenly you're in 
Scrubs. <laughs> there is a circular in your hand that has a sheet of paper that has the name on the he- the the name on that record is Aisha Demir. Aisha Demir. Okay. And young Dr. Rustam says, I've been looking for you for hours now. I need you in the OR, stat. And, like, hooks you by the elbow and starts dragging you into... Dragging you towards what is very obviously a closet. Has anyone else heard what he said, or... Oh, yeah, everybody else saw. Okay, just making sure, because otherwise I would be like, going to the OR! (laughs) I take it everyone is following? Yeah, um, Ruth is suddenly in his old uniform. Ah, this, this, uh, just that conscious decision. You suddenly decided, I'm gonna do the thing. It wasn't a conscious decision, it just happened. Okay, cool. So, well, that works for me. Well, you all follow towards the closet door. Dr. Demir opens the, the door, and it is now a very large operating room. All of the lights are off except for the main operating light that is over a very small gurney where a very large plastic doll is lying in the gurney with its eyes closed. Young Dr. Rustam Demir drags Nina closer to the gurney and goes, We still have no idea what's happened. She's been crashing on and off for the last six or seven years now. We're trying to see if we can bring her back before something terrible happens. I've heard that you're the best in the business. Can you please look at this? Nina, you have no idea what the hell he's talking about. No, no. And so, like, once again, she's going to attempt to empathize to see if there's a way to, like, figure it out. While this is happening... Like, because I, I, I hate to say it, like, oh, see, I don't think she would connect the doll to the, <laughs> to the person. Unfortunately, Nina is not the sharpest. Mm-hmm. While this is happening, like, while you're in motion, Cat... Can you give me a 1d99 roll? Sure thing. What does a 23 get me, Brandon? Aha. Nice. Wait a minute. Okay, cool. So, Kat, you have already determined in this moment as you have entered the dream, you would like the deck of reveries to speak to you in this moment. Mm -hmm. And then... Things started happening. You went into the mirror door. You noticed all of these demirs. A demir grabbed your friend and walked into a closet. But the closet is now an operating room. There's this giant doll. From the giant operating lamp that is ahead of, uh, uh, that is over this doll's uh, gurney, you see a small slip of something cardboard slide out from the side of it. And just kind of start mm-hmm. drifting down, like, you know how cartoon um, leaves fall from trees? Mm-hmm. It's just very mm-hmm. gently wafting down towards the floor. Just as, it just, just as it drops below your eye level, you notice that the back is the white iridescent back of the Deck of Reveries. Mm-hmm. When you grab it, you notice that the image on the front of it is a magnifying glass that is being held over a piece of paper 
but instead of making the text on that piece of paper larger, it is making it much, much smaller. You know this card to be the distorted lens. Um, what happens when you see the distorted lens, Kat? A deep sense of irritation just rolls through her body. Because, oh my gosh, tell me something we don't know already. Like, you know, in principle, the Deck of Reveries should be comforting because, like, yeah, I've got messages coming from future me. That means I'm not going to die here today. But actually, future me's kind of a tool. I don't think I like future me very much. She's snarky and unhelpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the things that I will add about the distorted lens is that the very novel and harshly unhelpful thing about the distorted lens is that it represents seeing things deliberately for what they are not. Mm -hmm. It is deliberate obfuscation or a sign that the assumption that mm -hmm. you had initially made is perhaps incorrect. It is that someone is attempting to deliberately misguide you. And when it's in relation to the dream itself, it is typically attempting to tell you, you think you know whose dream this is. You don't know whose dream this is. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> We're having such a good day. This was such a good party, and I'm so glad we went. <laughs> While this is happening, you hear on the PA system for the hospital that you're presently in. Doctors Demir and Demir, may you please return to the receptionist's desk as, as quickly as possible, please? Again, doctors Demir and Demir. And guests. That additional and guests sounded very, very angry, out of nowhere. Do we recognize the voice over the intercom? You don't. Is it Demir's voice? It is not Demir's voice. It is also not Delilah Hall's voice. Is it feasibly Euphony's voice? It is not Euphony's voice. Ruthless. Well, okay, before we go, though, I, I, like, I think Nina just wants a sense of whether or not this doll is like... You know how in dreams there are people that feel like people and then people that feel like like in the other dream where the, all the nurses just felt like automatons? Like, does this doll feel like an automaton or like a person? I will give you that this doll does not feel like an automaton. But you were going to give me an empathizer before I cut you off. Because I feel like, I feel like she, she is concerned about this because this is like the name of a person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, so it's like before she would go anywhere, she'd be like, I... <laughs> It's a dream. She's a doctor. Maybe she can help someone. Unfortunately, it's Nina, and she will want to help this person. Mm -hmm. um, so here we go. Empathize. So what is my position? And This is another desperate grit. This is another plus one die. Two, a double six. Crit! Crit, crit, crit. Oh. Jesus Christ. Crit um, to help. But Nina wants to help. Nina Lopez empathizing is the theme of this show, y'all. So the I'm very power. excited that this is happening. Okay. What do you do, Nina? Okay, so this, because it's Nina, and unfortunately, while everybody else may be like, no, 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 
Nina is gonna put her hands on this person because that's what you do when you're a curandera. Like that just makes sense. <laughs> okay. You very gently put your hand like on the shoulder of this doll, and very briefly, you are no longer in the hospital. You are in this very large study, like very tall, like looks like two stories tall of just room. Ahead of you is this large stained glass window with artwork of a dark-skinned man holding a dark-skinned girl uh, in an embrace. On the left, right, and to the back of you are like six uh, long shelves high and all along the length of the wall except for those that stained glass artwork just bookshelves large lots and lots of books and at a large round glass table in the center of the room you see a dark-skinned girl reading a very large book she doesn't seem you you don't seem to have gotten her attention she's just flipping through this large book, like, very eagerly. You can get the impression that she's not really reading it so much as being excited by the fact that this large book is in front of her. What do you do while you're in this room? I Because, of course, unfortunately, this is Nina and is an empathy flex, she's going to go closer to the girl to try to get a feel for, like, is this is she okay? Like, And that may, that may allow her to see the book, that may not because it's flipping too fast. It, like, she's more worried about kind of, like, like potentially kneeling down in front of the girl and looking into her face like, are you, are you all right? You walk up to the table. While you're walking up to the table, you notice that the ground has started shaking. The girl doesn't seem bothered by it. She's still flipping through this book. And then when you come up to the table, she's like, hello. She doesn't look up to you. She doesn't look up to look at you. She's still flipping through the book. I don't typically get visitors and... This is the first time that I've gotten someone that I have never met before. I'm Aisha. Uh, I, I'm Nina. Are you okay? I don't know. I know that I'm supposed to be somewhere else, but I can't remember what that place looks like anymore. As you're looking over this little girl's shoulder, you notice that the book that she's looking at is a large atlas, but all of the pages are large photos of individual streets of Cloud Harbor. And she and she as she continues, I think I'm supposed to be here, but I don't know where here is. Maybe we can check. And Nina pulls out her phone and opens up the GPS. Give me a one die for what you know. Okay. That's a five. You can read your phone now. GPS on the phone is Weird? Like you bring up the Cloud Harbor equivalent of Google Maps, um, the Mir Maps or whatever. And, the, and if there's one thing Nina knows, it's the map of Cloud Harbor because she <laughs> delivers stuff for a living. Mm-hmm. And it shows that you are in the Mirador. It shows that the city is still the city. You don't... You get the impression that in this moment, everything that you're seeing on your phone is perfectly normal. Is there anything that you want to check on the map? 
I think that, so, like, because the girl is just flipping through the map, she's going to then show her the, like, the, the mirror icon and be like, is this where you're supposed to be? She looks at it and she tilts her head and she says, I recognize it. Sounds like something that my big brother talks about a lot, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe if we map you and I, and she types her name into the map program so it's like Aisha Demir <laughs> search the directions button comes up on the uh, on the app and when you press it the app starts zooming all the way out out of Cloud Harbor out of the Tri-Cities out of the country out of the continent off Earth past Past our solar system, past our galaxy, into the edge of space. Just keeps turning black. You can now see, like, drops of ink fall out the corners of your screen. Oh, that... I don't think it's supposed to do that. She presses the home button. <laughs> to stop. Globs of ink just... Black it back into your phone. I she just shrugs. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is... My brother keeps telling me I'm not supposed to be here. And I don't know where here is or where I'm supposed to be. All I know is... Sometimes it gets very dark and sometimes I get to read. The ground starts shaking again. Does it do that a lot? The shaking? It's been doing that a lot more often. It's actually very unpleasant. I keep seeing all kinds of other people here and they're not nice. People who like to fight... People keep complaining that they're looking for... Can't remember what they called them. Soldiers or knights or something. Oh. And they keep fighting with my brother, too. They keep forcing him... To keep me here. And I don't know why. Maybe they don't know you're here. I mean, I keep asking my brother if I can go, and he keeps telling me, he keeps asking me where I want to go, and I keep not knowing. But I know that it's somewhere. Maybe you can come with me? Can I? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Reach out to take her hand. You take her hand? There is a door out of this study can just walk out of the door if you wish. Are there any reflective surfaces, like a mirror? There are no mirrors here, but there is obviously the, uh, the stained glass window right, right in front of you. Is it, is it shiny enough that Nina would know it can be used as a mirror? Or, like, like Nina's looking for a way out of the dream to see if maybe she can take the girl out. And if, if there isn't one, because the dream will not allow it, then she will go for the door. That can work in a pinch. Another thing that you've noticed as well is that there is a globe in this study that is just pure glass that is shinier than the window such that that would actually be more efficient to use. But then you'd need to tell this little girl to be prepared to jump into the globe. Okay. Nina will say that. Nina will be like, we're going to try something, maybe... If that's okay with you, could we just hold my hand and we're going to jump? Okay. I, I just read here. I don't get to play games very often. So I'm 
I'm open for a game. Okay. We're going to both put our hands on the globe? She tilts her head at you and goes, Okay, that's a strange game, but I'll play. And she puts her hands on the globe. Does anything happen? She counts down from three, two, one. You both jump. And then you fall backwards onto what feels like a very soft, very short bed. And you notice that you're now on the gurney in the operating room where you previously were. None of you notice anything happens until Nina stops being at your right and starts being in front of you. Is the doll gone? The doll is gone, and you are now holding the... You're, like, cradling the girl in your arms. But she fell onto you, so this hurts. <laughs> I'm going to say Ruth had taken... The, was taking the doll's pulse when Nina put her hands on it, so suddenly he's taking Nina's pulse, and also there is a small child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> while that's, oh, while that's oh. happening, while you're looking up, because you're in a position... Yeah, Nina is blinking at the light, like the overhead light like you have in the <laughs> surgical rooms. It's like, ah! You turn to your left, because you're now looking right up into his face. And you notice that the, Rustam, the mirror that you're looking at now is no longer the, like, 20-something Dr. Rustam Demir, but the 30-something entrepreneur Rustam Demir that you're accustomed to, who is looking down at you with, like absolute fear in his eyes and then it very swift it very like slowly but sharply shifts into something that is simultaneously anger and like incredible sorrow and he says very softly you don't know what you just did did you no and then alarm bells start ringing in the entire building what did, what did I do? What did I do? Ruth kicks Devere the and then pulls out the pocket watch and says, we're going. Aisha turns to you, Nina, and goes, are we going to jump again? Yes. <laughs> because Ruth said so. And Nina is definitely going to follow Ruth's lead on this one. Ruth is imagining really hard, focusing on his apartment again. Okay. As the way out. So not back to the mirror door, back to his apartment. Okay. You, you all focus on the uh, mirror and the pocket watch. And just as you all prepare to and successfully jump through this mirror, you hear on the PA system, like just moments before finally leaving this uh, room, you hear someone bellow, you broke our agreement. You suddenly emerge out of um, the bathroom mirror of Ruth's apartment, all stumbling out into the shower. It's a very clean shower. Ow, my shin! Yes, all of you just kind of collide on top of each other this 7 o'clock at night. And the sound of Nina worried about her shin is... You know, it actually be like, oh no, my dress! <laughs> <laughs> and that's the very end of tonight's session of uh, Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire. So, um, what have I done? What did I do? Yeah, yeah. We, um, we an awful either... lot, apparently. 
we have either dream napped an actual child into the waking world, or we have a bottle of psyche again, like with Siobhan. Oh no, you have you have you have a small child with you. Oh okay. Now we're kidnapped. Uh this is great. Yeah, this this as, this as soon as never Vic, goes this never goes poorly at all. As soon as Vic hears a third of this, Vic will have a plan. <laughs> so yes. I did not immediately imagine we ha- we would have gotten to learning this thing, but then we got to learning it, immediately doing a thing about it, and immediately complicating further things, so that's also going to be fun. Also, technically, this is a successful mission of its in its own right. So we finally got to start and finish a mission in the same session. I'm so sorry to you all. So yes, uh, how do you all feel about what has just transpired? <laughs> That was extremely unexpected and delightful. Indeed. You're all going you're all going to have to put up with actual sibling Ruth, which none of you have ever seen before, so that's going to be very exciting. Oh, this is about to be heartwarming as shit, isn't it? <laughs> the, the, I, I imagine all of this is going to be very cute and also very weird. Um so yes, I'm very excited for what happens next, and I can't wait for when that happens. But until that point, I would like to ask all of you lovely people to please tell all of the lovely people in chat who you are, what you do, and where people can see you next, um, starting with Mike. And I would like to uh, begin by reminding Mike that there is a physical place where some people might actually see you next very, very soon, if I am not mistaken. Uh, so please let people know about that as well. Sure thing. I am Michael R. Underwood, a.k.a. Mike. I have been Vic Sains, the Guardian. I'm one of the co-hosts of Speculate. You can watch uh, me play video games and talk about games at twitch.tv slash TurboTango. And on November 19th, here on this channel, you can see uh, Speculate and various friends doing amazing, cool things, including the Anchor segment, which will be a, a game jammed by our very own Yori Kusuno. And that's me. Next. Next, Valerie. I have been and remain Valerie Valdez. Uh, you can find me online at ValerieValdez.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Valerie Valdez. That is with an S in case you're listening and not looking at my name. And you can find me on Twitchy, streaming on Twitch as The Kids Are Asleep, which is when I play video games. Ooh, nice. Next, Yoi. Hello, hello, and very soon, goodbye, goodbye, Yoi Going Lin, game and fiction writer, he, they pronouns for me, he, they pronouns also for Vermilion Jingwei Ruth, whom I have played tonight with great exasperation, love, fondness, and fear. And last but not least, Iori. Happy time zone, and friends. Kusano Iori. Oh dear, I have a whole bunch of things to promote right now, don't I? Okay. My story, Can I Offer You a Nice Egg in This Trying Time, will be out in the November-December issue of Uncanny Magazine. And, as Mike said, I will be GMing a thing. November 19th, your time zone, 20th mine? Is that it? Time zones are hard. (laughs) Egg, egg, egg. I am so very excited about this goddamn story. I'm so sorry. Um, And you can always find me at kusnoiori.com. Or, come fight me on Duel Masters. Master Duel. Come fight me on Master Duel. You know you wanna. 
And as for me, I have been your humble stage manager again, Brandon O'Brien, pronounce he, him, or they, them. I wrote a book. It's called Can You Sign My Tentacle? It won the Elgin Award. So if you want to win, if you want to read a thing that is very funny, but also very bitter about H.P. Lovecraft, this is a thing. And also support Inter- Interstellar Flight Press, because both of uh, the poetry collections that came out this year from Interstellar Flight Press have won Elgin Awards, and that's really rad. So you can support your favorite indie press and read some really cool poetry as well. I am a poet writer and game designer from Trinidad and Tobago. You can find me on Twitter at The Rising Tides. You can find me on Patreon at Speculate. That's the Patreon that I'm going to highlight, not the other one. And uh, among other things that's happening on November 19th, again, for our Speculate fundraiser, I will remind, not only will I be playing in this uh, game that Iori will be GMing, but I will also be uh, joining my good friend Michael R. Underwood and our good friend Gregory A. Wilson in a game of Destiny 2, where I will be very awkwardly sappy about Destiny 2 lore out of nowhere. So if you want to experience that, that's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely join us November 19th for that Speculate fundraiser so we can continue to do all of the cool things that you experience right now. Do you like it when we engage in all of this silly dream shenanigans? You could get more dream shenanigans. So please join us for all of the wild stuff that we have planned for November 19th. Until that date and until the next time that we see each other again, I would like to ask you all to tell the lovely people in chat goodnight. Thank you so very much for joining us for tonight's dream shenanigans this was a lot lot of fun i'm very excited not only that we got into the shenanigans that i had planned but as is the case with the strange friends on a regular basis i found myself in a position where more weird things happened and i'm very excited that i got to lean into that for this session settling on when we were going to meet or learn more about aisha demir was a thing that i was um, very curious about, but I'm very glad that we just kind of leapt into that instead. Thank you so very much for uh, watching or for listening if you're listening on the audio podcast. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.